G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. I want to go to heaven because I want to see my friends and family again. I want to experience that great reunion that I've heard about. Hello and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Vines. And we'll continue to hear about what heaven will be like today in our series about what happens when we die. Pastor Jeff shares various stories about grief, about our pain when separated from family and loved ones, and how that something that we know is missing won't be found until we are reconciled to God through Jesus and go to our eternal home. As we, as we talk about heaven, there's just a great concern that I have that we in the West worship Him from a distance. We respect Him, but there's no intimacy, there's no relationship. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we're continuing our message, What Will It Be Like in Heaven? And Why Do We Want to Go There? I recently met with a young man who had served in Afghanistan. We sat over in the One and All Cafe, had a coffee together. Within 10 minutes, I noticed there had been a significant change in him. It brought a great sadness to me. A gentle, kind soul had become so hardened not only in his attitude, but is in his language. I was so sad. But I realized at the same time, this was no time for judgment. I tried to imagine the things he has seen. I tried to imagine how many times his life would have been near the end. I tried to imagine the fear and the trauma and the death all around. But then I realized I couldn't. There's no way I could understand or comprehend what he's been through unless I've walked in his boots. And the reality is there are so many men and women on planet Earth who've suffered dramatic events in their lives, and it makes it extremely difficult for them to return to any sense of normality. The soul has become darkened by the things the eyes have seen. My friend Ravi Zacharias often talks about a letter his ministry received from a sister at a, at a, uh, a house that worked with girls who were trapped in drug scene and prostitution. The letter from a sister says that you never know who's going to walk in. And I want to read to you a letter that she sent my friend, Dr. Zacharias. She said, she came to our front door Tuesday morning, dressed in dirty rags, holding a little aluminum paint can in her arms. From the second she stepped inside our shelter, she mystified us. Whatever she did, wherever she went, the paint can never left her hands. When Kathy sat in the crisis shelter, the can sat in her arms. She took the can with her to the cafeteria that first morning she ate and to bed with her that first night she slept. When she stepped into the shower, the can was only a few feet away. When the tiny homeless girl dressed, the can rested alongside her feet. I'm sorry, this is mine, she told our counselors whenever asked about it. This can belongs to me. Do you want to tell me what's in it, Kathy? 
I'd ask her. Mm, not today, she said. Not, not today. When Kathy was sad and angry or hurt, which happened a lot, she took her paint can to a quiet dorm room on the third floor. The can held tightly in her arms. Sometimes she'd talk to the paint can in quiet whispers. I've been around troubled kids all my life, says the sister. I'm used to seeing them carry stuffed animals. Some of the most tough and rough kids, hardened kids, carry something that they can hug. Every kid has something, needs something to hold, but a paint can? I could feel the alarm bells ringing in my head. Early this morning, I decided to accidentally run into Kathy again. Would you like to join me for breakfast, I asked. Kathy said that would be great. And for a few minutes, we sat in the corner, in the cafeteria, talking quietly. In the midst of a den of over 150 ravenous kids, homeless kids, then I took a deep breath and plunged into it. Kathy, I said, that's a really nice can. What's in it? For a long time, Kathy didn't answer. She just rocked back and forth, her hair swaying across her shoulders. Then she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, it's my mother. Oh, I said, what do you mean it's your mother? It's my mother's ashes. I went and got them from the funeral home. See, I even asked them to put a label right there on the side. It has her name on it. Kathy held the can up before my eyes. A little label on the side chronicled all that remained of her mother, date of birth, date of death, name. That was it. And then Kathy pulled the can close to her and hugged it. Kathy said, sister, I really never knew my mom. I mean, she threw me in the garbage two days after I was born. I ended up living in a lot of foster homes mad at my mom. But then I decided to go find her. I got lucky. Someone knew where she was living, so I went to her house. She wasn't there, sister. My mother was in the hospital. She had AIDS. She was dying. I went to the hospital. I got to meet her that day, the day that she died. And my mother sister told me that last moment I spent with her that she loved me. Kathy said crying, sister, she told me that she loved me. The sister goes on in parenthetical phrases to say that we double check Kathy's story. Everything she said was true. The New York papers ran a story saying the police had found an infant girl in the dumpster. And yes, it was two days after Kathy had been born. I reached out to hug Kathy and she cried in my arms for a long time. It was tough getting my arms around her because she wouldn't let go of the paint can. I didn't seem to mind and she didn't seem to mind either. I saw Kathy again a couple of hours ago eating dinner in our cafeteria. She made a point to come up and say hi and I made a point to give her an extra long hug. Dr. Zacharias, I've felt like crying tonight. I can't seem to stop feeling this way. I, I guess the story, the whole horrible, sad, unreal mess has gotten to me tonight. I guess that's why I just had to write this letter to you. Can you imagine the journey that Kathy will embark upon? The depression and the anxiety which lay ahead. Kathy will have to navigate these events the rest of her life. There's no doubt that Jesus can walk with her through it, but the fact remains she's still gonna have to do a lot of walking. The journey will be long, it will be taxing, it will be exhausting. She will spend the rest of her life desperately in pursuit of love. And she will never find it until she finds it in Jesus. 
sometimes the scars of traumatic events in our lives we carry with us for the rest of our lives. Even Christ's followers, a mother who abandons us, a father who walks out on us, a wife who betrayed us, a husband who cheated on us. Some wounds go deep and you carry them with you. This is no less true than the coronavirus. I read a story this past week out of New York about a lady named Carolyn Martin Rates. Carolyn was completely wrapped up in her Down syndrome son, Thomas. She was his world, he was hers. 29 years of joy together. They depended on each other. They needed each other. They treasured each other. Carolyn, the mother, died in late March of complications associated with the coronavirus. And just a week later, on his 30th birthday, Thomas died. You can't help but wonder if he died of a broken heart. And now the newspaper article said a community is grieving the loss of mother and son. I started thinking about what would I do if my, if my wife or one of my children, if they were dying and I was not allowed to sit with them and hold them and comfort them. And for many, this is presently the reality. Husbands and wives are separated, sons and daughters and mothers and sons. Someone has said that dying alone is a fate worse than death itself. Thomas Wolfe, having lived an emotionally turbulent life, said these words, the whole conviction of my life now rests upon the belief that loneliness, far from being a rare and curious phenomenon peculiar to myself and a few other solitary people, is the central and inevitable feature of human existence. You know, there's truth in that. There is a sense in which no relationship here on planet Earth is big enough to completely fill the void loneliness brings. And I want to go to heaven because the Bible tells me that the only ultimate cure for loneliness, the only thing big enough to fill my heart, is God, my Father, the designer, the revealer, the comforter. Only someone who is unconditional, can give unconditional love. And every love that we experience on planet earth is a pointer to that love. Because as good as that love is, whether it's phileo, friendship love, uh, storge, parental love, even eros, a romantic, erotic type love, all of those loves fill a void of some or to some degree. But there's still something missing that causes us to wander the halls of life Wondering how do we get back to that time and that place when we are loved unconditionally. And the Bible tells me that time is coming, that the fullness of that search will only occur in heaven. And that's why I want to go. Revelation 21.3, I heard the loud voice saying, look, God's dwelling place is now with the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And C.S. Lewis writes, God has infinite attention to spare for each one of us. You are as much alone with him as if you were the only being he had ever created. He goes on to say that joy is the serious business of heaven. I want to go to heaven because I want to see an end to the dark night of the soul. No more Cathy's, no more separations, no more darkness, no more experiences that wound us so deeply that there's no recovery. I want to go to heaven because I want to see my friends and family again. I want to experience that great reunion that I've heard about and that I know down deep inside is real. 
This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we're continuing our message about what heaven will be like and why we want to go there, to be reconciled completely to God and to be reunited with those who have gone before us to the place that makes joy its business. Here's Pastor Jeff with more. I want to experience that great reunion that I've heard about and that I know down deep inside is real. The eternality of the soul. I want to see those who have gone before. I want to see my friend Tim Price. A great story. The professional golfer who taught me the game when I lived in Zimbabwe, Africa. The same guy who told me every Friday night before he became a Christ follower, he would ask me a simple question. Pastor Jeff, let's go get drunk and get naked. <laughs> that was the, the reality of his life. But I kept working on him. I kept sharing the love of Jesus and that there is a better way, of, better way to fulfill, better way of life, better way of living. I had to leave Africa. For 15 years, we were separated. I still had a great love and affinity for Tim. I prayed for Tim. And then 15 years later, when I was doing work in New Zealand, I received a handwritten letter that Tim had written me. And when he was making a journey back from South Africa into Zimbabwe, he said, I don't know what happened to me, Pastor Jeff. But this Jesus you talk about revealed himself to me. And I just wanted you to know that I am now a Christ follower. I desired so much to want to fly back immediately to Zimbabwe and meet my new brother in Christ. It still took a time. It took a season, but I finally made the journey back. I heard that he was working as a golf pro at Borrowdale Brook Golf Course. I pulled up in my car. I ran out as soon as he saw me. He left the driving range. We ran and embraced each other. And this hardened man had become softened by the love of Jesus. And he looked at me and he said, I now know the Jesus you talked about for so long. And then a couple of years later, we didn't have a lot of time together as Christ followers. He developed a brain tumor. and He was doing a golf broadcast through the Sunshine Tour in South Africa. And within just a few weeks, he lost his life. I want to go to heaven because I want to see Tim again. I want to run and meet him in heaven. I want to put my arms around him. I want to tell him how much he meant to me and how he contributed to my life and how important his friendship was to me during my days in Africa. I want to know that we will never have to say goodbye again. I want to experience what it says in Revelation 21, that he'll wipe all the tears from our eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. I want to see my father again, no longer limping because of the injuries to his lower back from a father who beat him with a shovel no longer struggling to breathe because of the impact of an addiction that he assumed would bring relief that ended up destroying him. No longer tired, worn, and fatigued from working 80-hour weeks to feed his wife and kids. I want to see my father, according to Isaiah 40, who will renew his strength, soar on wings of eagles, run and not get weary, walk and not be faint. I want to see my mom again, no longer hooked up to a ventilator, no longer crushed by the weight of an alcoholic father, abused by an apathetic mother, taken advantage of by a greedy, uncaring sister, no longer fatigued by a weak and fainting heart. And I want to run to her and I want to put my arms around her and I want to say, I love you, mom. I've missed you. Here is your great granddaughter. Here is your granddaughter and your grandson. Here are the grandkids. They've all been walking with Jesus. They're all here to meet him. But I'm glad they could meet you.
I want to see my mom dancing in the streets of the new city. I want to see the place Jesus has gone to prepare for us. I want to go to heaven because I want to see people that I've loved and lost. But ultimately, folks, I want to go to heaven because I want to see Jesus. Oh, man. I've caught a glimpse of him so many times. He nudged me when I first met Robin, my wife. He spoke to me in the locker room after my last basketball game at university and said, I hope you've had a good time. I own you, Jeff, and you're going to take the gospel to the world. He, he overwhelmed me in seminary when I prepared for ministry and I first learned about grace, that there was someone who had all the goods on me and still loved me. I heard his voice at my mother's grave when he told me she's not in that box that's being lowered to the ground. She's with me now and she doesn't want to return. He spoke to me in, in a closet when I was praying for an illness my daughter was experiencing and he reminded me, Jeff, I wish you cared as much about her spiritual well-being as you do her physical well-being. He has loved me when I felt broken. He has rebuked me when I was out of line. He's humbled me when I became prideful. He has quietened my spirit when I've become anxious. He has visited me in a dream when I had written off my own grandfather. He's opened my eyes during the greatest health challenge of my life. But most importantly, he has loved me with a staggering measure of grace and mercy and forgiveness all the days of my life. I believe in that moment in heaven when I see him, as I've stated before, I will weep as I've never wept before, knowing what I deserve and yet receiving not mere grace and mercy, but deep love and acceptance from the one who has the right to judge me instead loves me to a degree that I can never imagine. And that which I thought possible, that which I've, I've thought about, that which I've hoped for, but still found it difficult to believe that God could truly forgive me and love me given all the things I've done. I think suddenly it will overwhelm me of how deep the Father's love and forgiveness really is. And I believe I will fall down and I will recognize that I could have lived my life so differently that I had always been accepted, that I was always significant in the eyes of God, that I was always loved. And I didn't have to struggle so hard to find those things when I had them for eternity. I want to go to heaven because I want to see Jesus, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, the author and perfecter of our faith, the bread of life, the beloved son of God, the bridegroom, the deliverer, the faithful and true, the chief cornerstone, the good shepherd, the great high priest. Emmanuel, King of Kings, the Lamb of God, the light of the world, the Lord of all, the Redeemer, the risen Lord, the Rock, the Savior, the Son of Man, the Son of the Most High, the Way, the Door, the Vine, the Victorious One. I want to go to heaven because I want to see Jesus. As we, as we talk about heaven, there's just a great concern that I have that we in the West have a great and deep even respect for Jesus. Yeah, he's a great moral teacher. Yes, Jesus died for my sins. We grew up in church, a lot of us, or at least if we didn't grow up in church, we've heard about the gospel. We've heard about the church. We've heard about Jesus. But we worship him from a distance. We respect him, but there's no intimacy. There's no relationship. But in the gospel, the Bible tells us one of the main reasons 
that God sent Jesus into the world was not only to redeem us, but reveal to us the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is that there would be relationship between us and Him. But there's a barrier. Our sin causes separation between us and God. And so Jesus dies on the cross, takes our sins, past, present, future, pays the penalty our sin is due, and God gives us His grace and forgiveness. We respect that, but respecting that is not the same as taking it inward and allowing the Spirit of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God to transform us from the inside out. And I'm concerned that many of us, when we get to heaven, will somehow not be recognized by Jesus. We might say, I want to go to heaven so that I can see Jesus, but the reality is I've not had a relationship with him here. And suddenly we think we're going to be the closest of relations. And the Bible says, if you want to be close to Jesus and you want to be escorted into heaven by the one who holds the keys to life and death, then you must humble yourself at the cross. You must acknowledge that you are a sinner. You must receive the forgiveness and the grace personally, inwardly of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. And then you must invite him into your life to be the Lord of your life. So you are now a servant to a new master. We all serve something, but he is our new master, but he's a loving master. He's a kind master who has our best interest in mind. So I'm asking you to acknowledge that you know this place called heaven exists, that there is something beyond in you that you've been trying to work your way back to from the beginning. And then I'm asking you to acknowledge that you respect Jesus but you've never given your life completely to him. You've never become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And I hope and I pray that you would, wherever you are in your home, listening on the radio, listening on your iPhone, iPad, wherever, that you would stop, that you would pause, and you would recognize that your eyes are open. You see more clearly now than you have in a long time. You've understood the fragility of life, and there must be something beyond, something that lasts forever, something that no disease can ever touch but that you would also acknowledge that there must be a relationship between you and Jesus. You must confess him with your life, the way you live with the words of your mouth and the way that you live in your pursuit of holiness and purity and Christ-likeness. And if you've never done that, when you get to heaven, you won't be recognized. You won't have a desire to be with Jesus for eternity because you've not been with him here. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for everyone listening to this message. I pray that this would be that moment when the Spirit of God would open their eyes and they would begin to see more clearly. And I pray for decisions to be made, that they would step out of death into life. Their eyes would be open. And today they would become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, waiting for their citizenship that is now in heaven, where we will be transformed into the people, into the kingdom that we've always known, that faraway country that exists in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if you have listened to this message and suddenly your eyes have been opened, I want to ask you, if you want to come into this kingdom, if you want to kneel at the cross of Jesus Christ, if you want to be secure for eternity in heaven with him, and you want to get to know this Jesus that will one day take you by the hand and lead you over from death to life, then 
If you want to become a Christ follower where he's Lord and Savior of your life, would you pray this prayer after me? Bow your head and would you just pray? Father in heaven, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that I need forgiveness. I trust in the cross of Jesus Christ to save me from my sins. I ask the Spirit of God to transform me to be like Jesus. I ask God, the God of this universe, to come on the inside and live in me that I may live forever. I now make Jesus the Savior of my life, acknowledging that He provided a way to forgive me of my sins. And I claim him as the Lord of my life. And I will follow him all the days of my life. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. And that's the end of What Will Heaven Be Like? We look forward to your company next time when we'll hear a new message in this series from Pastor Jeff. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.